Good evening, King of Kings family. It is my joy to welcome you again tonight, and we're so glad that you're able to be with us online. Just want to take a moment and, and reiterate one of the things that was in the announcements there, the 21 days of prayer. Uh, our pastoral team, we were, we were talking, and, and Pastor Chad felt like a good way for us to launch into this next year would be to spend time in prayer and to seek the Lord. And so we do hope that you'll join us. As it mentioned there, how to find the days of prayer, you can link through from our website at 9 a.m. beginning on January 1st. So we hope that you'll join us as we seek the Lord together and pray to these various topics. So please make a note of that. If you're joining us for the first time or, or you're joining us from around the world tonight, we welcome you. I just want to mention some of the countries that they've sent me the list here. We have 22 different countries that are currently online with us. Uh, Australia, Austria, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, France, Germany, Hong Kong, India, Ireland, Italy, Malaysia, Mexico, Norway, Philippines, Poland, Singapore, Sweden, Switzerland, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, and the United States. To all of you, we welcome you to our friends around the globe, the connected communities. We're so glad that you're able to be with us tonight. Um, now, this is our final Sunday gathering in the year 2020. I don't know how many of you will be very sad about that fact that this is the end, the, the final weekend of 2020. Um, I saw a, a meme that was going around when they changed the clocks. Uh, it was a character that said, I'm not turning my clock back. The last thing I need is another hour of 2020. So I, I think that maybe still feel similar in today's world that we're, some people will be glad to just be moving on to 2021. But we are hopeful for 2021. We are hopeful for what the Lord has in store for us in this coming year. Now, just to kind of give some background, there are a few New Year events you'll hear as we are teaching here from King of Kings in Jerusalem. There are a few New Year's events that take place in the land of Israel. There's New Year's, the biblical New Year that comes in, in uh, the time of Passover, where God told the people of Israel, this was going to be the, the beginning of your, your biblical calendar. It's going to begin in Passover. And then there's Rosh Hashanah that takes place uh, later in the year that, that celebrates the creation of the world. That's the Jewish New Year. And then we have, obviously, the Gregorian calendar that cycles around and we come back to the new year in January. Now, I'll give you just a few updates of what's been happening here in, in Israel uh, this past week. Actually, a lot of things have been going on in the last week, week and a half. Uh, the government of Israel is, is, is again, uh, they are coming, they, the coalition has come apart, so therefore they'll be going back to elections in March. Um, yes, yay. So it uh, looks like we'll at least be starting into 2021 with a few things that are similar to where we've been in 2020, unfortunately. Um, and then just actually today at 5 o'clock Israel time, about 45 minutes ago, or 40 minutes ago, we began another two-week lockdown period here in Israel. Um, it's more limiting the movement of people from their homes if they're not needed. Uh, operations of business, because businesses can operate on about a 50% capacity. Um, some of the businesses that serve the public sector may not be able to open. There's different restrictions. So that's going to go for two weeks. So we're moving into 2021 with, with another lockdown. I'm, I'm excited because my hair is already long. I can't wait to see what another two weeks of growth will look like without a haircut. So I'm excited about that. Um, <laughs> so this is 
this is what's happening here in Israel. But again, we are looking forward to what God has for us in the new year. And I want to take one moment before we get into the message tonight to thank some of our team members, specifically our production team and our worship team. Uh, we were supposed to have a gathering today uh, to, to just thank them, but obviously with the restrictions and things, we, we've had to postpone that. So usually we would be celebrating and thanking them, but I want to do it here publicly. I want to thank some of our production team members, specifically uh, Petra, who is our, our media director, and her team, Joshua, and the camera team. Many of them are some of our young people. Uh, they have served faithfully this past year through uh, changes in schedule and not knowing what's going to happen and what the team's going to look like. For Mario and our IT department, who's managed to keep our online services going. For Tyro, who's our head audio production. Hey, hey Tyro! He heard me. Okay. Um, he's head of audio production, keeps us all sounding nice. Uh, for Sam, who's filling in and doing our lights and now filling in tonight with lyrics and projection stuff. Thank you, Sam. And also to our worship team and our worship leader leadership, to Melissa and Megita and Gabby and our other leadership team members. We're, we're grateful for your commitment to serve in the midst of all that's been happening this past year. And we just want to thank you publicly in front of everyone for all that you've done to serve the community. Yes, we'll give you a hand. All that you've done to serve the community this past year. Um, so I'm going to segue now. We'll get into our topic tonight. I have the privilege of closing out the message series we had been in. We, we kind of taken a break the previous two weeks. Pastor Chad and Pastor Mike both kind of alluded to our our transformation power transforming power series and their messages but we're more focused on the holidays that were taking place and the timing and what was going on so tonight we're going to come back and close out our transforming power series that we began about five weeks ago and i just want to recap real quick to just bring us back uh from week one I began this series. We looked at Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. And this scripture said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And what we looked at in this passage, what we wanted to pay attention to was that the gospel message is the story of God's power unleashed in human history. And that power brought salvation to everyone who has faith. And the key point that we looked at, that our faith in God's ability or God's power to accomplish his plans enables us to view the world around us through the eyes of God's redemptive power. Or maybe to put it a little more simply, we begin to see what is possible with God or what God sees. We begin to see with his eyes. And we are convinced that his power cannot be overcome. And we looked at some of the lives of Yeshua's disciples, of the apostles, that after the resurrection of Yeshua and after the coming of the Holy Spirit, they began to view the world around them differently than they had before. They began to see things. They began to see the world around them through the possibilities of God's redemptive power. They began to act without fear. And they were, in essence, they were transformed. Something changed from their pre-resurrection, pre-power of the Holy Spirit state to who they were after that time. Then we continued in week two, and Pastor Chad made a few key points that I want to highlight for us. He said, number one, the gospel of Yeshua comes with the expectation 
of transformation. That's a key point. We're going to look at that again tonight. The gospel of Yeshua comes with the expectation of transformation. We cannot accomplish the great commission or our God-given destiny without the power of God. He went on to say that the power of God must transform us so that it can flow from us to transform the world around us. As darkness is increasing, the world needs us as believers to walk in God's transforming power more now than ever before. And then finally, in week three, I continued on and we we looked at God's power and having an expectation. We said we should have an expectation of God's power transforming and working in and through us. And it should be based on our alignment with God's purposes. And we talked about how that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us to align us with God's purposes. It's not about what we want to do for God, but it's about what God is doing in the earth and how we can come in and be a part of what God is doing. That brings us to tonight. We're going to look at, I titled tonight's message, Necessity. Because I believe that God's power, his transforming power, is a necessity. Uh, When we go back to the the statement that Pastor Chad made that I just read to you, transformation is expected, and God's power is the catalyst that makes transformation possible. It's his power that initiates, it it makes the change in us. God, Pastor Chad, I love how he says this. Uh, He said it a few times. God accepts us the way we are. His grace meets us at the place we are. But he loves us enough not to leave us that way. He loves us enough not to leave us that way. And he has given us what we need to transform, to change. Now, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking of, a visual and, and what came to my mind here in Israel we have something we call a kumkum. For those in the other parts of the world, you probably call it a kettle. Just a simple kettle, electric kettle. You put water in, and it heats up the water to boil, so you can enjoy a nice hot beverage when you're cold, especially this time of year. You can have coffee, tea, whatever you desire. So if you're familiar with this, again, you put water in it, turn it on, heats the water up, but if I took that cuckoo and I put water into it and I set it on the table and I just left it there and expected something to change, I'm going to be greatly disappointed <laughs> because nothing is going to change. It's, it's, it's going to remain at room temperature, near room temperature, just sitting there in this kettle. And it's the same way, coming back to this passage or this phrase that Pastor Chad mentioned to us, we cannot fulfill the purposes of God in our lives if we remain unchanged. We'll remain the same. Something has to happen. And, and like that kum kum, change will only take place when the heating element is activated and electricity is applied to the unit. You see, Otherwise, nothing, I have to plug it in. I have to draw power from another source as a catalyst to begin the the change, to make the water to boil. And without that power, nothing will happen. The water will just remain room temperature. It will not change. 
So like that, we need God's power as a catalyst in our lives. We need God's power working in us to affect change. And I want to bring us to our scripture passage that we're going to look at in more detail tonight. It's in Romans, Romans chapter 12. So if you have a moment, go ahead and turn there. Romans chapter 12. We're going to begin in verse 1. And again, thinking about this transformation, Paul in this passage is going to use that idea of transformation. We're going to look deeply into what he's getting at tonight. So let's read this. Romans chapter 12, beginning of verse 1, says this. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's our word, transformed, by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So let's take some time, and let's just look at this segment by segment, this passage. I want to come to the beginning uh, Verse one, therefore, brothers. Now, as a, a good teacher, we always, if we see a therefore, we need to find out why it's, what it's there for. So let's back up a little bit and understand what the therefore is as Paul is starting into this passage. So if we go back to chapter 11, Paul ends uh, this part of his letter with a hymn of praise and he declares the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And he's talking about how God is holy, how God is set apart from his creation. And he's giving praise to God. And then he closes with this in Romans chapter 11, verse 36. He says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you. So this is where the therefore, because God is holy, because God is far above his creation, because he set apart, and because he has shown us mercies by his mercies, by the mercies of God, I urge you. You see, God didn't have to show us mercy. God didn't have to be gracious to us. God is separate. He's different, but he chose to because he loves us. And then Paul says, because of that, because God is merciful, because he loves us, because he's gracious, therefore, brothers, I urge you, I exhort you, I implore you, I strongly encourage you to present your bodies. This is the next part of the passage. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. So let's look at this next part. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You see, this is not a sacrifice of atonement. This is not a sacrifice to atone for sin or for our past, but this is a sacrifice of worship. As you know, uh, there were different types of sacrifices that were made. There were fellowship offerings. There were worship offerings. There were praise offerings. There were different things that could be brought. This is not, he's not talking about a sacrifice for atonement, but he's talking about a sacrifice of worship. You see, 
something, listen to this, something is not dying for a purpose. Something is living for a purpose. A living sacrifice. You see, atonement, something would have been dying for a purpose. But in this case, something is living for the purpose. What is the purpose? To be holy and pleasing to God. That's what he says. Living for the purpose of being holy and pleasing to God. You see, this, he says, is a spirit, or is our spiritual worship. And worship in its essence is the outward expression of an inward reality or an inward revelation. It's when what's in me, when the truth that is in me becomes expressing, it comes out expressing itself in my outward being. So when I have come to the revelation of God's goodness and his mercy and what he's done for me in his holiness, what comes out of me is an expression of expressing his worthiness, expressing who he is. That revelation from inward comes out. What Paul is really encouraging here is that we would live life in a way pleasing to God, not for the sake of atoning for past behavior, but because of who God is, because of his mercy and grace and really, honestly, without him, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. If we go back to his, his psalm of praise or his hymn of praise in, in chapter 11, at the end of it, he says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So without him, there's nothing. So we should live sacrificially, a, a, a life of worship to God. Then he continues, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this really gets to the point of our topic tonight. He, he brings in this word transformed, and he says, first, do not be conformed to this age. And what we can infer from that statement, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed is that we began in a state that needed to be changed, okay? We, we began, Yeshua talked a lot, about, a lot about being reborn or born again. He talked to the Pharisee. He was saying, you need to be born again. And he asked the question, well, how can a man return to his mother's womb? There's this rebirth of our spirit that Yeshua talks about because our initial state is sinful. In fact, Paul says in other passages of his letters, he says that that initial state, that initial state, we were actually enemies to God. We were contrary to him. We were enemies to him. But by the power of God working in us, we can be transformed. We can be changed. We can become something New. We looked at other passages earlier in this series of becoming a new creation. We're a new creation in the Messiah. That's the point of this. So no longer should we be conformed, should we remain in the state that we were, but by the power, that catalyst. We talked about applying power to make something, the catalyst to make something change. We should be changing into something new that God desires for us 
to be. And he continues, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We must be transformed to have a new mind that sees and understands the perfect will and purposes of God. Part of this transformation in us is the way we think, how we see things. And this is what God is, is wanting to do in us so that we can discern. Now, let me look at this word here. Uh, the word discern is examine, test, approve, regard as worthwhile, judge as good, so that we can, we can make good judgment, that we can approve, that we can test, we can examine something and know and understand you see, I believe, and this is going to be one of our main key points tonight, I believe that our minds are a key battleground of transformation. Our minds are a key battleground of transformation. This is where Paul says, I, he, he, there's this inward struggle he talks about. I, I don't do the things that I want to do. It's, it's like something's working against me. There's a battleground that's it's within us. The Greek verb here for transformed is the present tense imperative form of metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis in English. It implies an ongoing activity. It implies that our transformation is an ongoing process, something that's at work, that's continuing. As the power of God is applied, Transformation is happening. You see, we turn the kettle on, power is applied, something begins to happen. So this process is ongoing. And in other places, Paul would use a word, he would say sanctification. The process of being made holy, the part, process of being set apart. And this process is something that it's ongoing because we as human beings, we maintain the ability to sin. It's not like uh, something happens, a switch happens, and then we can no longer sin anymore. We maintain the ability to sin, therefore sanctification, transformation is an ongoing process. It continues as the spirit and the power of God works in us. It, it continues to, to move. It continues to, to change us, to transform us. Now, our need to discern what is good, what is the good, what is the pleasing and perfect will of God implies. And that's what Paul is getting at. He, he's implying something that, that we would be transformed in our minds so that we could discern what is the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. This implies that we will be presented in our lives with things that are not good, that are not the pleasing and perfect will of God. And we will need to know the difference. We'll need to be able to judge. We'll need to be able to see these things and understand what is of God and what is not of God. You see, uh, if, if this process of transformation could be interrupted or disturbed in some way, our ability to discern, to discern the things of God is challenged. I was thinking, you know, when you think of something that's, that's changing, like a metamorphosis, we think of a caterpillar, you know, and it's, it, it cocoons itself and it goes through a state of transformation to where it becomes a butterfly. If that's disturbed, if something happens in the process, it doesn't transform. So in this process is the battleground, 
It's, it's where the fight is. So what's happening on this battleground? And I think, I'm going to share one thing that I think is happening specifically in our day, in our age, in our world, in this battleground for our minds, for the renewing of our minds, for this transformation that God wants to do in us. I believe one of the key tactics of the enemy in our day and age is what I would call information overload. Information overload. When you want to break a system, one of the fastest ways to do it is to overload its inputs. (laughs) So, if I were to take an electrical device and I was to give it too much voltage, it would burn up. It would destroy it. I would overload its ability to take in the electrical voltage. If I'm I'm an audio person, I come from an audio background. If I wanted to overload an audio circuit, I would turn the gate up so much that the signal would become distorted. It would become unrecognizable. Sometimes people like that, but you know, like with a guitar or something like that, but that's not the point. Uh, But it would become distorted. It would become unrecognizable. That's how you overload an an audio circuit. If you wanted to uh, push too much water through a pipe, through a, a sewage system, if you push too much water, the pressure builds up. Something has to give. There will be leaks. There will be breaks. Something will break in the system when it's overloaded. The funny funny one I was remembering, this is probably, most people will remember this, but there used to be a TV show called I Love Lucy. And I remember this episode that Lucy and her best friend were working at a pie factory. And their job was the pies would come off a conveyor belt and they would have to put the pies into boxes as they came off the conveyor belt. And everything is good and they're moving along, taking pies, put them in the box. And something happens, someone pushes a button to accelerate the conveyor belt. And so now all of a sudden the pies are coming out faster than they can put them in the boxes. And pies are going all over the floor and it's just a wreck and it's a mess. And it breaks the system because there's too much coming in for the system to handle. And I believe this is a tactic of the enemy in our day and age, is to overload the system, to overload the input. You see, knowledge, this is, we all know this, knowledge has increased and it's continuing to grow in our day and age at a rapid, at a phenomenal pace. And in one way, this is an amazing achievement. In one way, this is an amazing thing and it's a benefit to our world because it enables people to better work together. It enables people to have access to information. It allows people to solve complex problems. I'm amazed, as I stand here tonight, that typically as we would be sharing to our own community here in Jerusalem, I'm speaking to people in over 22 countries of the world simultaneously. That's an amazing thought. In our world today, that information, things could go out instantaneously throughout the globe and people can receive it. People can take it. Now, on the other side of this positive is that this accessibility can present too much information. It can present information overload for the human mind. I just want to give you some quick statistics that I looked up, just the amount of data that's produced. This is from 2019, actually. The amount of data in our world that's produced on a daily, this is a daily basis, every day. And this is about maybe a year old now already, so I'm sure it's more than this. 500 million tweets are sent daily. 
294 billion emails are sent daily. Four petabytes of data are created on Facebook. If you know a gigabyte of data, you add six more zeros to that, and there you get a petabyte. Daily on Facebook, six or four petabytes of data are created. Four terabytes of data are created from each connected car, <laughs> from a vehicle. It's just generating data. 65 billion messages are sent on WhatsApp, 5 billion searches are made on the internet, and by 2025, it is estimated that 463 exabytes of data will be created each day globally. For those of us that remember what a DVD is, that is the equivalent of 200, almost 213 billion DVDs per day created. So... This is growing, and it's expanding, and it's, it's, it's accelerating. Knowledge, information, accessibility, it's, it's accelerating, it's moving forward, it's pushing into new territories. I mean, today we can access videos. Honestly, you can probably learn to build a house by watching YouTube if you wanted to. I think you can learn just about anything. We have accessibility on videos of, of topics that we can learn from on almost every sub subject. Uh, we have access to resources, books, and libraries that people could have only dreamed of even 100 years ago. Uh, there's so many voices today speaking into our world. It's, it's really just staggering to consider. And you know, sometimes, personally, I feel like I just want to turn some of it off because, again, it's information overload. I remember when my wife and I, we came to Israel, uh, we first moved here, you know, not being a native Hebrew speaker, a lot of advertisement and things that we would see living here would just kind of go past you because your brain doesn't recognize the language. Natively, it just kind of moves past you. So we had been here two years and then we went back to the United States. And I remember being home for the first week and just feel, feeling overwhelmed by the amount of advertisements that were just bombarding me. You walked outside and there's a sign and there's the radio and there's this and everything had an advertisement. It was like, please just shut it off because I went from not really seeing anything to being overwhelmed by it back in my home country. And that's what could happen oftentimes. We can be overwhelmed by the amount of voices, the noise that are speaking around us. And in fact, that's one of the things that's accelerating the development is the motivation for people today that are, let's say, creating content for the, for the internet. Primarily, the objective is to try and get above the noise, do something new, do something that people haven't seen, get their attention, get above the, the cacophony of, of voices that are speaking into the world. Get above it somehow. This is the motivation. And it's interesting that Paul, when he was speaking with Timothy, really predicted this. And he said it in, in his letter, his second letter to Timothy. It's in 2 Timothy verse chapter 4. Listen to this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. He said this. Timothy, proclaim the message the message being the gospel, persisted it with, persisted it whether convenient or not, rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply, 
multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. You see, the teachers will multiply, not just because people are asking them, but because there's an opportunity and I need to do something new to be different than the other guy. And so I need to create something new. I need to stand out above the noise. I need to get above the crowd. But you see, Paul encourages Timothy, listen, people will get bored with the simplicity of the truth, but don't give up on teaching it. Don't give up on teaching the gospel message. Why? Because Paul believed it was the power of God to transform us and to bring us salvation. Now, Satan has always been at the center of bringing deception into our world. He's always been at the center of bringing deception to our world. And this, I believe, is one of his tactics in that to overload, to just fill it up with all kinds of things, make it somewhat indistinguishable. But the issue is the lies, the deceptions of the enemy often possess a good measure of truth. And this is why discernment is so important. This is why Paul, I think, is encouraging that we be renewed and transformed in our minds so that we can discern because he could see ahead that the enemy would just multiply deception, that he would put things out there and it would be hard. And we need the power of God working in us, transforming us to help us to be able to discern. I was thinking about if, if someone gave me an apple and said, that's an apple, and they just kept giving me apples, okay? And they said, what is that? So it's an apple. So they give, give me an apple. It's an apple. Okay, it's an apple. I wouldn't need to necessarily act on discernment until they gave me something different. When, when someone would give me an orange, they'd say, what is that? And i go, well, let me look at it. <laughs> let, me, let me see. And, you know, it feels different, smells different. It's maybe a different color. And I may not know what it is, but I could say this. That's not an apple. I could discern. That's not an apple. Now, to take that a step further, when someone would give me a plastic apple, say, what is that? That's a little trickier. Because it looks like an apple, but something's not right. Doesn't feel right. Doesn't have a smell Something's different. This one's harder. Why? Because there's an appearance. (laughs) There's an appearance of truth. But it's not really the truth. And this is where the enemy pushing information, pushing things from all different directions and giving them an appearance of truth. And the more voices that are out there with an appearance of truth, the more we need God's power to help us discern what's true. I just want to give you a simple observation. You would think that options and an overload of information and a wealth of options would bring people closer together. But just a simple observation from my own home. My wife and I both have phones. Uh, You know, we can access news from the internet. We have a computer. We have a TV. (laughs) we can all end up in different parts of our house, (laughs) all 
reading the news, doing something completely separate from one another. It, they don't necessarily bring us together, but actually they can easily divide us. And then we have to become very intentional as parents to bring our family together because the the options create the easiness for things to just separate, to divide. And so we have to become intentional. That's why I love Shabbat because here we can come, we can sit around the table. It's a, it's a, a time to bring our family together around the table to fellowship, to be with friends. And I think it's a beautiful thing. But options necessarily don't give us the reason to draw closer together, but actually many times they divide people. But who wins when people are divided? Who wins? Do we win when people are divided? Does God win when people are divided? No, this is, again, this is a tactic of the enemy to divide, to separate, separate out. You know, the, the Word of God says that he prowls like a lion. You know, if you've ever watched the nature show, a lion, uh, a lion sits and he waits and looks for the one that he can separate from the herd, the sick, the feeble. He looks for who he can get away out of the crowd, divide from the, the herd, because together they're strong. But if you can get one separated out, they're weaker. They're susceptible. So as we consider the world around us today, you know, to me personally, it feels like there's more and more growing division. And I don't mean just division of disagreement. I mean just division. It's it's easy to just be separate, to go do things. And this is seemingly accelerating and growing as more options are around us. So I think our need, and again, I'm going to come back to my phrase earlier of our minds being the spiritual battleground. This need for God's transforming power, for our minds to be transformed so that we can discern right. I believe in our world, in our day, in our time is more important than ever before. Because Voices will continue to multiply. The input is not going to slow down. It's going to keep going up. I want to close tonight with a statement that I read earlier to you from Pastor Chad that he had made. He said this. He said, the power of God must transform us so that it can flow from us to transform the world around us. As darkness is increasing, the world needs us to walk in God's transforming power now more than ever before. This is not a hopeless thing. (laughs) We can look at these things and we can be discouraged. But you see, God has not orphaned us. God has not brought us to the battlefield and said, "Eh, hey, figure it out, you're on your own. God has brought us to the battlefield and he has said, and here's my power to help you. We just need to take it. We need to let it work in us. We need to ask God for more of it. We need to seek God for more of it in our lives. We need this more and more. And and again, it's not because we should be afraid. We sang songs tonight. Uh, I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. I know he has already sealed 
the victory. But in order for me to be effective, as, as Pastor Chad said, for me to be effective in God's purpose and His calling for my life, I need His power. Otherwise, I become like that water in the kum kum that just sits there and it stays still and it doesn't change. I need God's power. I need it working in me. I need it transforming me so that I can tell what's happening. I can tell God's purpose, His good and perfect will. If we're not transformed, we will be led by the world's current and its flow rather than by God. We need to be able to tell the difference between what is and what is not God's perfect and pleasing will. You know, being transformed by his power will enable us, and that's what I've said, will enable us to be the light, enable us to be a source of hope in the world around us, a world that is going to become increasingly more confused. Why? Because the voices are going to multiply. And people are going to go, what's true? Tell me, what's the truth? And we need to be sure of that. We need to be standing in that. Again, God has not forsaken us. We are not orphans. We are his children. And he has given us everything that we need. So as we look into the next year, we may not know exactly what's ahead of us, but we know that we have God's power in us. We know that we got to have, have God's power working in us and God's power can transform our minds and help us to be the people that he wants us to be. So let me pray for us tonight as we close. Father, we really come to you in humble recognition of our need of your power, God. We, we humble ourselves, Lord. We're reminded of the words of Paul where he said, everything is from you, it's, it's in you. Without you, God, we have nothing. And we are so grateful for your mercy and for your love that you showed to us, God. We're thankful, Lord, that you just didn't bring us to a place to abandon us, but God, you brought us to a place to empower us, to equip us to do the work that you've called us to. So God, in humility tonight, Lord, we say we need more. We need more of your power working in us. We need more of your power helping us, Lord, to discern the, the voices for the voices, Lord, for the information that is filling our world. God, we pray that your power would be the catalyst of change, Lord, for us, that it would be something that we would stay connected with you and that we would not, we would not lose connection, Lord, but we would find hope, strength, and courage. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, help us to be effective witnesses for your kingdom and for your glory. We ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. God bless you tonight. Again, we, we pray, as Pastor Chad says quite a lot, it's not our mission to impress you on Sunday, but to help you on Monday, to, to equip you for the things that we are facing. And we pray blessings upon you as you enter this next calendar year. We pray again that you will sense God's hope, that you will sense God's strength, and that you will be encouraged. 